Hello everyone. Welcome to this PwC TextByte podcast. Today we will talk about a new development, fresh development, a commission proposal to tackle the debt equity bias in taxation. My name is Peter de Ree and I'm very happy that I can welcome in my still virtual recording studio uh, Jean-Philippe van West, a senior legal counsel in our team who closely monitors all European developments and David Ledure, Belgian partner, but also leading the financial transactions transpricing network of PwC. So welcome, David, and welcome, Jean-Philippe. An important proposal again, and upon initiative of the European Commission, a proposal to tackle the debt equity bias in taxation. What I want to explore with you today is a little bit what we can expect, what is on the table, what we can expect in terms of impact and, and which are the typical companies that would be impacted by this proposal. So to start with the first one, uh, Jean-Philippe, can you elaborate a bit? What does this directive try to solve and, and why is it on the table today? Yes, of course, people. Uh, yes, of course, Peter. Uh, happy to, to provide an overview here and, and some background on the directive other proposal so as we all know eh, so uh, when investments uh, are financed we need uh, are financed we need money and there um, you can have two options either debt financing or equity financing and if we look at the tax treatment uh, well interests are normally are tax deductible however equity financing so the dividend distributions are, are not tax de deductible so from a tax uh, perspective uh, debt financing uh, is favored and uh, it is especially uh, this point that the commission seeks to address with uh, its proposal and it wants to make equity financing uh, more interesting um, this proposal uh, it's not it's not totally unexpected it was already uh, announced uh, about a year ago when the european commission uh, announced uh, or published its communication uh, of the communication on the European uh, on business taxation for the 21st century and its communication it said it will come up with a proposal in uh, Q1 so the first quarter of 2022 so we're now uh, the second quarter so actually the the proposal was already a bit overdue if we look at the under one of the underlying principles of the proposals is that the commission uh, is of the opinion that um, companies uh, with more equity uh, that they are supposed to be more resilient to to, sock, uh, to shocks such as the recent COVID crisis, and uh, companies with uh, more equity will have less insolvency issues. So that's why it's want to promote uh, equity financing. And how does it uh, seeks to do th this? Well, the the proposal contains actually two concrete measures. On the one hand, it wants to promote equity finance. Uh, via, an, uh, via the introduction as an allowance for additional equity. So a kind of a notional interest deduction uh, mechanism that we already know in some uh, European countries. On the one hand, on the other hand, it wants uh, as well uh, make excesses, excessive debt financing uh, less attractive and, in, and introduce a new uh, interest deduction limitation rule. So, and with these two measures, it wants to uh, reduce uh, the bias towards uh, debt financing. Okay, yeah, thanks, Jean-Philippe. Um, now, first question that I have, and that I guess many of the audience uh, will have is, yeah, to who does this apply? Because we have seen some directives in the past applying for large multinationals, other directives apply for, for everyone. 
Um, so does it cover all companies or only large multinationals, this one? Uh, important, yeah. so this, this proposal has a very large scope and it and it covers uh, it covers all all entities subject to corporate income tax in uh, in one of the European member states as well permanent establishments of uh, entities not established uh, uh, in the EU. However, there is uh, only uh, financial earn undertakings; they are excluded. And if we look at the timing, uh, so if you look at the the, the the proposal, it says that. EU member states should uh, adopt this proposal by uh, the 31st December 2023, having uh, effect in 2024. However, important is that it provides for a grandfathering clause for those countries that already have uh, a kind of notional deduction uh, system in place currently. And there, there are uh, some country, European countries already have, such as Belgium, Portugal, but as well uh, Cyprus, Malta, and Italy that already have uh, a notional interest deduction in place. So for those, this grandfathering clause uh, can be very important. Yeah, thanks for that. Let's dive a little bit deeper in the mechanics now. Uh, David, can, can you elaborate us a bit on that one? Yeah, so Jean-Philippe referred to two elements. Uh, it's making equity more attractive and uh, from a tax point of view and, and ensure that uh, debt financing is not too attractive. So on, on the first element, uh, making equity more attractive, there will be a, a deemed deduction uh, on, on equity. So you will see there are some similarities with our previous Belgian notional interest deduction, but also some very important uh, differences. And if you look to the, the formula, there's an, a basis, an allowance base, that is then multiplied by uh, this notional interest rate. If you first focus on, on the allowance base, so the basis for the deduction, uh, this covers net increases in equity. So you look on the year-by-year -year basis how much your equity increased, and that's in principle the, uh, the basis for your deduction. Now, it's net equity in the sense that you will have, make, have to make corrections for your participations, like similar uh, adjustment that we had uh, in the past for, uh, for notional interest deduction. Now, a net increase in equity that obviously has only the temporary impact. Now, the, the good news is that if you make an increase in your equity, you will have the deduction for that increase for the subsequent 10 years. So there's a long-standing impact uh, of your equity increase, but of, no, of course it's limited. Uh, it's not based on your full equity, but also uh, only on the net uh, increase over the 10 years. Um, if afterwards your equity decreases again, there is a kind of recapture mechanism to, to avoid that uh, you will benefit too much. So you will have to yeah, pay back the initial uh, deduction. But luckily, there are two exceptions. That is, the net decrease sh uh, should or can be disregarded. Uh, one is if the decrease of equity is linked to losses, so operational losses uh, and the like. Or secondly, if you can demonstrate that it was something that was imposed for regulatory reasons. So that's the basis. So the basis, net equity increase. If you then look to the, the rate to be applied on that basis, it's a risk-free rate plus a margin of 1%. To be complete, 1.5 for uh, small and medium-sized enterprises, but uh, for the other ones, it's 1%. This risk-free rate, it's, it's a 
published uh, rates that uh, is updated on year by year basis and that is then in function of the the specific currency but each year there will be a a difference a difference a risk free rate and then the one percent why one percent it was deemed by the commission to reflect a credit spread that you would also have on on third party financing so once again to combat that that equity bias they indicated that there should be a credit spread, but it's a one size fits all. The same for uh, for everyone. So if you uh, then uh, have your base and your uh, notional interest rates, you know the amount you can deduct from your taxable basis. Now there's one deduct. There's one limitation, and that limitation also refers to uh, thirty percent EBITDA. So <laughs> a percentage and a notion that you already know from uh, the ATATS, uh the first ATAT implementation. So also here, your deduction uh, for equity is limited to 30% EBITDA. Now, my reading is on top of the 30% EBITDA that you also use for your interest uh, limitation. And finally, there are some carry-forward uh, rules. Um, if you cannot deduct your full uh, equity allowance due to the EBITDA limitation, you can carry forward uh, a difference for five years. If you cannot use your limitation, uh, not to EBITDA, because simply because your taxable base is not high enough, that can be also carried forward, but there, uh, there is no time limitation. So that's a bit in a nutshell, the, the rules of the uh, allowance on equity. Okay, hey, thanks, David. So um, base is multiplied by an interest rate. Um, okay, interest rate is probably what it is, uh, depending on the market. But basis, that I would think, if I would be the commission, that's possible for manipulation by companies. So, Jean-Philippe, I'm just curious, what does the commission include in the directive to avoid abuse or specific structuring to, to manipulate, let's say, the base? Well, in the in the proposal, there's a specific article uh, containing several anti-abuse uh, measures. And of course, the commission is afraid that, especially after the base erosion and profit shifting project and the introduction of 8 at 1, 8 at 2 in, 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 in Europe, that this new, uh, this new notional interest deduction that they want to introduce in the EU, that it will be used for base erosion purposes, uh, artificial use or aggressive uh, tax planning. So that's why they included some targeted uh, anti-abuse rules uh, saying that uh, certain increases uh, in equity resulting from specific transactions will not be taken into account uh, to calculate the, the equity allowance. For example, uh, an example would be if you would have uh, loans between associated enterprises and this loan is the between the associated enterprises are then used to uh, increase the equity of another uh, of another associate enterprise. Well, that increase in equity will be disregarded. Similar for certain uh, contributions uh, in kind, if you uh, if you overvalue the contribution in kind, there as well this uh, the amount that is the amount that is uh, excessive amount will not be taken into account as well for certain as well m a transactions there are certain as well uh, anti-abuse measures what is however important and the commission is aware that they cannot address all um all anti-abuse uh, or all tax planning uh, tax planning practices and so in the preamble to the to the proposal they make a reference to the to the ATAT, to the gar 
in the ATAT, and that as well, that in case that even if this specific anti-abuse provisions included in the proposal uh, do not apply, well, then still this uh, GAR, ATAT GAR, can still apply to certain uh, transactions. Okay, thanks, Jean-Philippe. So we've talked about the first measure now, the, the notional deduction on equity. But there is a very important second rule as well, uh, I think, David, the, the one on the interest uh, deduction limitation. What does that rule say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the, the flip side of, uh, of the coin. Um, so if you take a step back, the commission want to promote uh, the investments in equity, but they also want to disfavor to a certain extent, luckily, uh, the investments in, in debt. So to make that less attractive from a tax point of view. Um, and that's one reason why we have the second measure. Now, the second reason is to limit the budgetary impact uh, of the uh, equity allowance. Now, what's, what uh, is the new rule? The new rule also refers to the exceeding borrowing costs. Uh, once again, a notion that you uh, may know from ATAT. So basically, it's uh, all interest cost and financing related cost minus, minus all interest income and, and related income. So once again, it's it's kind of the net financing cost that is a starting point. And in the new rule, 15, 1,5% will not be tax deductible. So 15% of your exceeding borrowing cost is not tax deductible. And that's that's definitive. So uh, there's no carry forward whatsoever, not longer tax deductible as from, uh, uh, as from the moment the directive come into play. Um, now, we already have uh, eight at once, so there's already uh, an interaction with, with, uh, with that one. Now, it's both rules, one on top of the other. Um, that means, technically, that you first apply your 15% limitation, and on the remaining 85%, it's normally tax deductible, but on the remaining 85%, you will then apply the 30% EBITDA limitation. Now, if you cannot deduct, uh, some part of the interest based on the 30% EBITDA limitation, that specific part can still be carried forward uh, under uh, under the ATAT rules. So that's, in a nutshell, like the, the second but very important part of the uh, directive. Yeah, I, I see two sides of the same coin uh, in a way. Um, and you mentioned already the link to ATAT, uh, David, but Jean-Philippe, do you see any other links with ongoing European uh, developments? Uh? perhaps? Yes, there are definitely multiple links. And, and first, there is an explicit link. So if you, together with the proposal, a Q&A was published and as well, um, some some further guidance to the to the proposal. And there's a clear link with the European Green Deal. And so Europe wants to be uh, the first climate neutral continent. And for achieving that, uh, big investments, so big investments are needed. And to finance this green transition, uh, it wants to promote uh, equity financing and uh, risk financing with this, with this proposal. So part of the of the transition towards this green deal should then be come from equity financing, and this proposal should help this uh, finding the necessary money. So that's a direct link. But there, of course, uh, there are as well several other links with EU uh, directives. For example, a first one, you can make the link between this one and the, the pillar two, where the introduction of the worldwide minimum tax. Because of course, with if you introduce a notional interest deduction regime, you're going to create differences between uh, tax accounting 
and your financial accounts. And of course, these differences can have an impact on your effective tax rate and are therefore important to take into account. And it can even go that far that um, as a result of a notional interest deduction, that you can fall within the scope of this famous article 4.1.5 of the OECD model rules or article 20, uh, fifth paragraph of the EU draft directive, where a top-up tax uh, might be due even in a case where you're loss-making. So there's a, a potential conflict eh, between the purpose of, on the one hand, this directive and, uh, and, uh, and the introduction of a minimum tax. Next to, uh, next to the introduction of the minimum tax and the, and the pillar two draft directive, we have as well, there's a link, a potential link with, with hybrid mismatch rules. Because as a result of a, of a notional interest uh, deduction mechanism, you create a deduction without inclusion. So there as well, it should be tested if, uh, if this mechanism uh, could fall under the scope of, of, the, of uh, the hybrid mismatch rules of certain countries. So definitely uh, important links with other uh, tax measures that, uh, that we know. Okay, thanks, Jean-Philippe. I think we are moving towards the end of the of the podcast already. So um, perhaps David, may I ask you? Uh, you read the proposed a few times. What would be your key messages for the audience? Yeah. Um, first one, it's I think it's it's uh, good news that equity has also uh, a tax deduction. So to combat that uh, bias. Now the objective is, in my opinion, not fully met because it's on. Uh, incremental equity not on the total equity so so there the initial objective is only partially met and not uh, fully met now the good news is that that increase comes for 10 years second uh, element is the rate so this risk free rate was 1.5 percent now central banks are increasing the reference rate various reference rates so i think it's generally accepted that interest rates will go up which, uh, in my opinion, will highly impact those uh, risk-free rates. So the deduction on equity should very likely also go up in the next coming years. Now, obviously, also debt funding will become uh, more expensive uh, uh, in parallel. And the final uh, important element is uh, obviously groups should uh, simulate the, the effects, but this is not just a discussion within the tax department. This should be a broader discussion because groups may, may need to reassess what their optimal funding mix is because the costs uh, of equity and the cost of um, uh, financial debt uh, will uh, change, which might also be important information for the Treasury Department. Okay, thank you very much, David, for uh, formulating your key messages here. And I think that brings us to the to the end of the podcast series. So before we close, I have one last question for each of you. Um, we have seen an, an unprecedented number of proposals in the, the last months and years, um, more and more also upon the initiative of the European Commission. What's, what's your personal view on this? Is this um, a good proposal? Does it come at the right time? Um, or should we, like some member states are voicing, um, take a bit of more time to measure the impact of the different proposals before initiating even further uh, rules in Europe? I don't know, Jean-Philippe or David, who wants to go first? Yeah, 
BBA will kick off. Um, as, as you rightfully said, um, the impact of all this is, is pretty uncertain. Uh, both, I think, for corporates, but also for, for countries. So I think in the next coming months, uh, quite some simulations will have to be made. What's the actual impact of the two measures? Uh, because there will be losers and, 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 and winners. Um, this uh, directive was announced, but on the contents, the commission was extremely discreet. So uh, for many of us, it's, it's a surprise what actually has been decided. So if this uh, needs to be implemented by the end of next year and with effectors from the 1st of Jan 2024. Quite a lot of work has to be done. So for me, I will, I'm, I'm curious how the various member states will react on this and whether will there be a broad support or not, because we will need to have unanimity if we want to implement this directive. And maybe if I can add to that on, on the same note, eh? but I'm a bit taking at the, looking at the broader perspective. I'm a bit worried at the, the speed on which we, we see now proposals uh, coming up. Eh? So we have on the one hand introduction of this worldwide minimum tax and the EU draft directive to be implemented. We have the ATA3 proposal. We have now this proposal. I think from if you look at have a closer look at these proposals, uh, they're not, uh, let's say, not drafted in a perfect way. So I think uh, that's something to have a look at and see, to see as well uh, to dare to have. It's better to go a bit slower and have clear uh, legislation that it is this, um, that provides legal certainty and not only uh, not always go uh, too fast. Well, and with that, thank you, Jean-Philippe and David, for joining me. And thank you for the audience to stay uh, tuned with us in this podcast series. If you want to receive the latest uh, updates, just uh, register on Spotify or Google uh, with us. And uh, I hope to see you or hear you again in the next podcast. Thank you.